University. Radio Bath. They think it's all over. It is now. It's Hello and welcome to another episode of They Think It's All Over. We're back again for another podcast, and we've got the usual lineup of David Morgan. All right, mate. Uh, Matthew Dawes. You're right, lad. And Scott Hyron. How's it going? And we've also got a special guest on today's podcast. It's Matt the Moose Mustill. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, very well, boys. How are we? Not too bad, thanks, mate. Uh, good to have you on. I think we had you on the podcast way back in April or May sometime. Yeah, I've, I've been on a few times. Yeah, it's good to be back. Cheers for having me. Yeah, good to have you on again. And uh, of course, you've got your uh, your own podcast, which I'm sure you'd like to plug. What, what should people go listen to on Spotify? Oh, they should absolutely go and listen to it. Uh, we've got the winner's half, uh, sort of ripped off of this pod a little bit. But um, basically, again, just talk about football and uh, play a few games and tell a few sort of Sunday League stories. Um, so yeah, if you've got a free half hour or so, just give it give it a listen. Yeah, good to hear. Well, I'm sure uh, lots of our lovely listeners will love uh, We've Got the Win This Half as well. Well, moving on to this week's news in football, we've got an awful lot to talk about on today's podcast, as we do every week, it seems. The big story this week being, of course, Project Big Picture. And uh, whether you're for or against it, it could present a radical change to the world of football over the coming months and years. Obviously, lots of uh, lower league clubs needing money to keep going in the coronavirus crisis. And the likes of Man United and Liverpool coming together to offer a bailout to those clubs, but with some uh, quite difficult conditions attached. Uh, We'll talk about those conditions maybe whether they should be accepted or not. But in the end, the Premier League did vote down that uh, that uh, proposal, um, which has caused a ripple through the uh, through the top six. And now there's reports that uh, the top few clubs, certainly United and Liverpool and maybe a few others, could break away into a European Super League. So that's a really interesting prospect to discuss on the show today. Uh, Dorsia, I'll start with you. What were your initial thoughts when you, when you saw the news come out? Do you think it was a good idea, bad idea? Um, so I think Project Big Picture I really liked actually. Um, obviously, there was a lot of power being given to the top six clubs, which I think is why it was downvoted. Um, and obviously, the news today about the European Super League, I, I I really don't like it personally. The whole the idea of a you know huge European Super League with, I mean, the proposals there are it stays the same teams every year. So basically the five teams or six teams from England will be the same every single year. They, those clubs will just get richer and richer and richer and leave the sort of rest of the, the league behind. I mean, it's it's obvious that football's becoming a huge amount of money these days, but yeah, I don't like, I really don't like the idea um, of the European Super League. But big picture, there were some good things there. I think obviously a lot of clubs in England, especially in the lower leagues, are really struggling at the moment, especially has... There's no fans being let into the stadiums and stuff, so their income is at an all-time low, really. So I think there needs to be something that comes in ASAP. I mean, otherwise, we could be losing clubs within the next few weeks. So mm. It's interesting, because obviously, as a United fan, I know you're anti-Glazers and, and, and anti-Woodward, and it <laughs> seems to be that these are the people that have actually come together and, and brought in this idea of, of the big picture where the top six, including United, take a, a bigger share of the voting rights. Mm. Um, you know, I'm surprised that you're, you're so in favour of it, given that you know your arch enemies are the ones who came up with it. I mean, I think th- that's the one aspect that I don't like is that sort of the voting rights. Obviously, us given given ourselves more power, 
Um, I think, obviously, the bailing out to the clubs is a really good thing. So that's obviously a good thing that they're sort of planning out. But maybe it is. I think Hiron said earlier in, in the chat with us saying that it might just be a sort of a PR move to sort of give this money to the clubs in order 100%. to sort of make, you know, give, give us a little more power whilst helping out these teams. So it seems it was a good deed. Um, so yeah, I don't know what thoughts yeah. are hiring there. Uh, well, that's it. I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think looking through um, the big picture, like, like Dawes says, there are great, um, there are good things about it. No, there's no dispute that these smaller clubs do need help. Otherwise, they will go into administration and we will lose so many clubs that people around uh, the country love. But I just, it just sounds too cynical for me. They, the fact that they've been having these talks for the last, I think, two years or something like that, um, I think it's come at the perfect time for them now to be able to bring it up, obviously mask it under coronavirus, say, oh yeah, we're here to support uh, all the clubs lower down in the divisions. But the fact that it's been going on for such a long time suggests especially to me that it's nothing more than a cynical power grab uh, to split themselves away further. I mean, especially teams like uh, United and Arsenal, who in recent times uh, haven't done so well in Europe and haven't consistently got themselves into the Champions League, uh, with teams like Everton and maybe Wolves coming up as well, and Leicester. I think there's a bit of... Um, they just want to get themselves a little bit ahead again and uh, ensure that their revenue continues. And I think that's especially consistent with the American owners of Liverpool, United, probably Cronkay uh, as well of Arsenal. It seems very typical. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I'll, I'll bring in Rod to you. You mentioned Arsenal there, Hiron. I know, Rod, you firmly stand by the fact that, you know, obviously these uh, payments to the lower league clubs need need to happen, but what are the, the big clubs going to get in return? Well, Scott, I don't really see where you're coming from with saying that United and Arsenal are interested in this deal down to a lack of success in recent years because all this deal does from their point of view is it gives them less money potentially at the moment, really. All the sort of top six clubs will end up with less money because more is given to the EFL. But the upside of that for them is the potential to then have more European games, which will then draw in more money for them. And whilst big picture, I don't, th- I don't think it's perfect. I think it's far from it. I don't like the voting rights. I think that's the main issue with it. But I think in terms of, I can't see another way for the big clubs to agree to give out the amount of money that they were talking yeah, about. This is what you picture. were saying earlier, Rod, is that, you know, they need yeah. something in return. You know, there's there's nothing else to sell. They've they've sold their image rights. They've sold their TV rights. They're giving that to the lower league. So what have they got left? They need to have something. And Scott, I don't know, maybe, have you got any other ideas? What what, what could they get in return? I mean, yeah, I think I think Gary Neville said it really well, that it, it starts off a good negotiation point with the Premier League um, and especially the top clubs uh, and the EFL, that there needs to be a negotiation. Everyone knows that. And I completely agree that needs to happen because these clubs will crumble. But there has to be some sort of negotiation, some sort of halfway point um, where everyone's kind of happy with this because clearly the other 14 Premier League clubs aren't happy with it. And I think everyone can see why. It's not just about the voting rights for me. It's also the fact that they want to get rid of um, the League Cup, which I think brings, uh, especially when 
fans can come back to the stadiums and stuff, match day revenue for them, TV revenue when they do play some of the bigger teams, um, and also getting rid of the Community Shield. Well, I mean, that provides like charity and also revenue in itself. And it seems weird that a one-off game like that would also go. Amongst that, you're obviously given advantage to the bigger teams as well, who have bigger squads to be able to cope with less fixtures. So, and then concentrate more on, say, Europe. So, I, I'm just completely against some of the uh, proposals. But there needs to be negotiation. That's that is for sure. I think Scott, uh, the reason that sorry, sorry, Anna, I'm, I'm just going to yeah, raise on. the point of why the Community Shield is being proposed to be removed. It's so that you can have a much more uninterrupted summer break before the league restarts. That's part of the reason that they also want to move to 18 teams is that then there's more opportunity for the big clubs to have sort of pre-season games in Asia and America where they've got these big audiences and then they can recoup the money they've lost by giving it to the EFL. So that's part of the reason the Community Shield's on the table. I think even on that point, there was talk of a sort of a mandatory pre-season tournament, you know, a mandatory yes. Emirates Cup style tournament. <laughs> the Audi Cup, mate. Yeah, the Audi Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that could certainly be an interesting prospect. Uh, Muscle, I'd like, like to bring you in on this too. We, we've uh, obviously, the four of us, chatted a lot about this in, in the group chat, but not heard a lot from you over the last few weeks. Uh, it'd be good to have a, a fresh perspective. Obviously, one of the, the things Hyren raised there was, you know, losing the, the League Cup and that creating, you know, extra squad space, perhaps, you know, the chance of the squads where aren't aren't so deep, perhaps like Man United, obviously your club at the moment, that could be a real benefit to you. Um, it's a tough one, this. It really is, because I think you've all sort of touched upon the points I was gonna make. Um, the Glazers in particular, I've sort of learned whatever they want, you should want the opposite. Um <laughs> really. I'd agree with uh, that. <laughs> um I, the the voting again. I well, I was going to bring in. Does, was financial fair play not brought in to sort of try and avoid this? Of you know the biggest richest clubs running away and just sort of separating the league. I'm pretty sure that's one of one of the aims for it. And now they're completely switched it around and try and give all the power back. Um, but to relate it back to the league cup, I quite like the league cup. You know we've all grown up with it. Um, I know it sort of gets a bad name now and no one takes it seriously, but. It's good to see sort of maybe players on the fringe get a game, youngsters get a game, and it's a good opportunity opportunity to do that. Um, I get the idea. You've got to try and you know we've got to look at the the problems with the lower league clubs. I know already there's a few problems, but I for me there's there's a better way to go about it than to benefit the top six whilst also benefiting the smaller clubs in the in England. Hmm. I think what it comes down to at the end of the day is that people would rather watch Liverpool versus Bayern Munich or Liverpool versus PSG than Liverpool versus Leighton Orient, you know, and that's what you're getting on Sky Sports at the moment with the League Cup, whereas without that, perhaps the Champions League could expand, perhaps we could have a, a European Super Cup, and, and that's something which has just come out today, actually. What were your thoughts on that? Well, I, you know, I understand that. Obviously, um, if you're a neutral for any of those games, you'd probably want to watch the Champions League or a big European game over... Leighton Orient Wickham or whatever but at the same time <laughs> you know Leighton Orient being on TV just an example think what that would mean to the to their fans you know they, they're, pretty, they're struggling I think actually because they've, they've got brought in Harry Kane to help them haven't they yeah. so just the one game on TV could do wonders for them whereas 
for Liverpool by Munich. It's just it's just another day, really. Yeah, it's, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because those lower it league is, clubs yeah. really do need need the money. Um, Dawes, obviously, as a supporter of a lower league club, uh, you know, at least part time yourself in Hanford West County, you know, <laughs> what what sort of difference could it make for your local club? I mean, <laughs> obviously, Hanford West County doing well this season, actually, in the Welsh Premier Division. They're doing all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, a club like that, who without match day income, that's basically three quarters, if not more, of its revenue. You know, as, as Muscle said, Liverpool buying one game is irrelevant in the grand scheme of their income. You know, they make all this money from different sponsorship deals and stuff. Whereas, obviously, a club like Half West County, I mean, their main sponsorship deal is probably worth a few thousand pounds. Whereas United is worth 200 million. You know, it's, it's a big difference where by not having the fans in the ground at the moment, they just need, they, it needs, they need support. And I think something needs to be done. The negotiations, you can talk about negotiations all you want, but how long are these going to take? You know, clubs haven't got two or three months to let the big boys negotiate about little, all these little terms. They need money now. Um, so I don't know, I don't know what your plans are, you know, how when you talk about you need to renegotiate, but they haven't got time to do that. You know, they've got to act now. Um, so I don't know. I literally don't know what's going to happen, you know. I get that, but it, obviously these proposals are very big long-term solutions. So if you if you do something like this, you could be jeopardizing the, the integrity of the league, I think, for so many years to come in the space of a decision that was made in a few weeks or months. So I think a lot of care... I, I completely agree with you because I, I think I've, I have to reiterate, I, I, <laughs> I want to see all these clubs survive and get the money they need. But I think negotiation needs to be done I, it has to start from somewhere it's, I, in a way it's a good thing it's been brought forward and some and there is something to go off but now it is down to other clubs in the premier league i mean it should it should be especially on the premier league more than anyone else to put these forward it's I in the interest question, of the premier league question for you Haran, is that negotiation for you where, where does that buck stop because say we continued with project big picture we had uh, you know, eight, 18 teams in the in the Premier League. We got rid of the League Cup. We got rid of the Community Shield. We kept the the winter break. We had a Emirates Audi Cup, Aldi Cup, whatever in uh, in summer. If you had everything except the um, the voting rights, w- would you accept that? Um, I, th- I think me personally, no. But I, again, I suppose a big picture has to be looked at, and I think that is probably the. I think the voting rights is the for me is probably the biggest one. So if that was the case, and if there wasn't any other sort of scenario, that might have to be the best fit. But at the end of the day, we can't just give all powers to the higher clubs who will then relish the benefits for the years to come. I think there needs to be a more um, a, a fairer way across all of the twenty Premier League clubs or eighteen, I suppose, if it did reduce. Um, but I get we haven't got much time, and so it, that needs the Premier League to step up. And I suppose the, the argument against that, and which immediately comes to mind, is that the top six do bring in probably yeah. 70, 80 percent of the TV revenue. You know, seventy percent of Sky Sports subscribers are probably from the top six clubs. You know, they're supporters of the top six clubs. I, I'm not, I don't know the stats on that for definite, but I would probably have thought that that's where it comes from. You know, the likes of Burnley aren't really bringing in many. Sky Sports subscribers, the likes of even Leicester probably aren't bringing in many. So their argument as the top six would be that 
you know, we're bringing in the money. We deserve a greater share, if not of the profits, of the decisions that are made with that money. No, for sure. But they are still miles away from every other club below the top six. They get much more money through um, their involvement in the Champions League, Europa League, and more sponsorship money anyway because of their success in the last, say, 10, 15 years for a lot of the clubs. That is miles away. So... I mean, we're talking about, I, I, I get that, they do bring most of the audiences, but if you want to be greedy and let the other clubs suffer, then I, I suppose so be it, but something needs to be done. Yeah, but Scott, with, with the proposal, the other clubs aren't going to suffer financially. You know, most other clubs end up financially better off. They just have less control over the league, which for, you know, I, I think... I think if you offered Project Big Picture to any club in League One or League Two, and probably quite a few Championship, they'd they they'd say sign their name on the dotted line to get the money that right now because they're they're that close to going under. And sure. It's, what do you propose changing to, changing to Big Picture to beside? Because obviously you said you wouldn't be happy if even if they changed the voting rights. What would you change to make to satisfy you? Well, it, it's different for me as a, as a fan as to what the clubs want. Um, and at the end of the day, I can't ask for all sorts and then get everything. That's obviously not realistic. But I, I, I think more of... I, I think everyone loves the football pyramid the way it is already and having 20 teams in the Premier League, um, having the League Cups. I think those things are important. So, it, again, again I, it's hard for me to provide an alternative because no one else currently providing these but and i don't know all the sort of the finances behind it i suppose the immediate alternative which has been presented is that breakaway league the european super league where well if the top six can't have their voting rights and help distribute money then they'll just take it for themselves break away with Bayern munich barcelona real madrid and and form their own league yeah, potentially. I, I, I just, I just don't like the sounds of it. I, I, I think you know my opinion of it. It's, it's more cynical than anything else because it, again, it has been a talk for over years, not just since the coronavirus. So, something needs to be done. But unfortunately, we don't look too close to anything which can save these clubs, and we, and we have to work for something that can work in everyone's favour, including the top so, six. Perhaps uh, doors or muscle, obviously. Project Big Pictures has been voted down. United now looking like possibly could join the European Super League. I, I know you both are probably ag- against that. Yeah. What What do you think could be done to stop that happening? Oof, I mean, obviously all... I think UEFA will have a say as well. At the moment, it's just... We're sort of... Well, from what I've read today, it's, we're sort of working with FIFA at the moment to sort of try and get this league sorted out. So I can't see UEFA suddenly deciding, yeah, okay, we'll scrap the Champions League and just do this instead. Because I think UEFA are really proud of the Champions League. Obviously, it's probably the biggest competition in football outside of the World Cup. For them to just scrap that in favour of this league where the teams stay the same every year, I think it's all being added to just the commercialisation of football to the point of, if we do this sort of European Super League, I can see it being like, the final being held in Qatar and over a four-day <laughs> weekend and you can have all this nonsense. And I think that's that I think as Scott mentioned how cynical it is, I think that's what it will become. We've seen it with the Spanish Super Cup now being a four-week tournament in Saudi Arabia 
between yeah. six teams for some reason. I mean, what's all this nonsense? And I think if you do, I, I, yeah, go on, my sorry, go on. I just, I was going to say, I, I think it'd just be terrible for football as a whole. Um, it'd be yet another competition that we'd, as United fans, wouldn't enjoy because we'd just be losing every game if we're playing Barca. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like as basically just as Dawes said, I just, it's you know, it's not part of football. Part of the Champions League is that you get the best teams from all around the country, and that they do change. I'd, I'd rather see you know, like for example, this year. You know, we've seen how crazy Premier League has been. It's, there's a very good chance Everton could get top four. I'd love to see Everton break into top four ahead of someone, you know, like Arsenal or Tottenham or Cheers. United. Not, not United. <laughs> City or someone. So, someone like that. Just see someone a bit different. And just if you have the same team every year, yeah. it's... I, I, over, time, over time, they'll get bored of that and just change it again. I don't really see, I don't really see the point in that. I, yeah, I, really think, I do think the European League could work, but you would need rotating teams. That's I think, the key. Yeah. I think if you scrapped the Champions League, scrapped the League Cup, scrap, but scrapping both of those gives you enough game time to do an actual European League where pretty much everyone plays everyone, but you then do you know the top five from each league, each of the top leagues goes into this. European League and then they play the games there so you get more European games than you would do in a Champions League game and you'd realistically you'd always see you know City versus Barca every single year um, you know City City Liverpool and stuff and games like that playing out the you know the big money games like your Bayern Munich Man United and stuff that will draw in more money yeah um, I think the sort of main counter argument of that it would sort of decrease the value of the Premier League and I think English football would because I mean everyone there would be like oh we need to get into this Super League oh we need to watch this everyone wants to watch this which would devalue for me the Premier League too much I think yeah I think I think it would also devalue European football as well I think a big part of the Champions League again like for example you know this week we've got PSG United um, and everyone's just been talking all all week about oh, the last time we went there it was an amazing game an amazing comeback and no one expected us to win Whereas if, you know, if, if this league happens, it'd be, oh, I remember last season we played them. That'd be it. Mm. Well, I like, I like, you know, the random draws and everything like that. If it's the same team, there's no surprise. You know what you're getting. And it's just, it's for me, it's it's a horrible idea. Yeah. And then the league system, would it would it just be like the Premier League is now, the, the team with the most points wins overall? There's no knockout football, which I think, for me, is the big positive of Champions League is, how exciting knockout football is. You know, you saw Leon beat Man City last year. You see United go to PSG, like you said, Muscle, and somehow pull it out the bag. Whereas if it's a league system, it's, oh, you know, we picked up a point there. We won a game here three points. It's, it's not, it doesn't have that, that buzz and atmosphere about it, which makes the Champions League so amazing for me. So I think, yeah, I don't like the idea at all, no matter what way they sort of word it and they could change it and stuff, but I can't, I can't see it working. Um, well it sounds at least like we've got a consensus here that these ideas aren't the way forward we're just waiting for someone else to uh, come forward with some new proposals perhaps yeah. uh, Arsenal Man City not seeing anything from them nah Conky doesn't do anything he just watches the basketball <laughs> <laughs> City's just too busy counting their oil barrels mate they <laughs> there it is actually interestingly bringing up City with regard to big picture why City fans might not like it 
is because one part of the deal, a lesser known part, is that there'd be a £50 million annual cap on related party transactions. So that would stop uh, owners of clubs that own other companies from using that um, other company to sign a sponsorship deal for, I don't know, let's say kits, stadium rights, stuff like that. So basically, yeah, it sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah. So that is, uh, that is didn't, actually didn't part... this go to uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport recently? I seem to remember something. Oh, I, I, maybe I saw something about it on social media. Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> During the lockdown, yeah. something about time barred regulations as well. I got away with it, didn't they? Oh, maybe. Maybe they they won their court case fair and square. Who knows, eh? Yeah. They definitely yeah. didn't, but okay. Well, maybe about <laughs> fifty million briefcases of money were thrown <laughs> into the courtroom. I think we'll leave that leave that chat for another day. Uh, I, I want to move on and uh, talk about perhaps a few more material things in the Premier League from the last week or so. Another brilliant week uh, of of matches, continuing the, uh, the Premier League's incredible start to the season. Uh, although we did have the first nil-nil of the year, which was a bit disappointing. <laughs> Most predictable I think when match you saw, in history. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Burnley West Brom Burnley has <laughs> got a uh, it's got nil-nil written all over it, hasn't it? Really? Imagine paying um, fifteen pounds for that. <laughs> oh yeah, we've not even talked about the fifteen pound fee. Oh, we'll have to talk about that at the end. There's so much on this podcast today, honestly. Um, I wanted to go first of all, seeing we've got two United fans on on the podcast. United's comeback from a 1-0 down against Newcastle. Obviously, Ollie working his magic under pressure, as he seems to always do, and just in time for PSG next up the road. Yeah, I mean, it's put a good spin on the upcoming sort of fixture list. I mean, if I think we'd have lost against Newcastle, going into PSG and then Chelsea, I'd be doom and gloom. But I thought we put in a really good performance. Um, obviously, we went 1-0 down after a few minutes with an own goal, and you just think, yeah, that sums it up, really. That sums up our season, but... We sort of fought back. I thought Bruno Fernandes was unbelievable. Rashford was quality. One matter, fair play to him. I thought he wasn't... I thought he's quite, you know, almost past it to perform that well at the Premier League level. I thought he'd be amazing in the FA Cup and stuff, but he proved me wrong. He was brilliant. Van der Beek, I really hope he starts tonight because I love the guy. I think he's a brilliant signing. It's positive. I can't believe I'm actually being positive about Manchester United Football Club. For <laughs> once. This, so is the, this is the first time I've heard you sound upbeat about Man United <laughs> in probably six months. It's so good, mate. It's so good. Now that the window's closed and we know that Woodward can't be even more incompetent, it's actually, you know, focus on football. <laughs> We finally see the end of Mopey Doors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait till he'll next be back. He's like, like, okay. like a yo-yo. Here he is. <laughs> but I, I don't, well, I, don't, I, don't, I, I was going to say, well, it's funny you mentioned yo-yo because I think what Solskjaer has done throughout taking over United's manager is he goes on good runs, then he goes on a bad run, then he goes on a good run, then he goes on a bad run. He doesn't seem to sort of keep. It's not like consistent. Like we saw. Um, Ever since Bruno sort of come, we we went you know we went on that incredible run to get third, and then we've had a dodgy start to this season. So I think whenever you get a good win like the one at the weekend, United fans now feel overly positive despite the hard running we've got because we know we can play well. And then as soon as we have a dodgy result where we will lose at home to Burnley or West Brom or someone like that, we just know it's going to happen again. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think the I think the game on Saturday. Uh, just proved that Ollie does actually have tactics, despite what he said on Twitter, uh, various football Twitter accounts. Um, 
<laughs> but that the the Wambasaka goal, the build up to that goal was prime Barcelona. It was unbelievable. I thought it, it was brilliant. Deary me, I'm glad that. I'm not a United fan. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought we'd uh, have a quick chat about uh, Spurs as well. I think you can't avoid the this oh. week. <laughs> What, given a, that what were... a game. Only Spurs. Only Spurs can do this. 3-0 three, three up in 16 minutes and then conceded three in the last 16, was it? Or the, the last, last 15 minutes? minutes? <laughs> it was last uh, 10 <laughs> minutes. Only ten... Spurs can start a title race in one game and <laughs> have it destroyed in the same game. I love it so much. I just couldn't believe it. Oh. That Lanzini goal with the 95th minute or whatever, I went absolutely mental. Like, it... I even see. I mean, Spurs could be title contenders, but I think to see, be, see that yeah, happen I, last minute, the, the way the goal was, David Moyes screaming from the sidelines. God, <laughs> what what a time to be alive, eh? What what a game it was. I thought it was interesting for West Ham to go one better because obviously they brought it back to three two in Mourinho's first game at Spurs last season, and everyone was a little bit shaky then. But to go three three with with that worldy of a goal in the, in the last minute, literally last kick of the game, yeah, was, you, yeah. you know, only football can make you feel like this. Oh, I, 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 I think I was in the minority of people who didn't enjoy that, mainly because I started watching in the twentieth minute and stopped watching in the eightieth. <laughs> <laughs> Deary, deary me. And you're a United fan. It doesn't get much worse, does it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought the other interesting story was uh, Aston Villa this week, obviously getting the win over Leicester, who Leicester had a very good start to the season. Villa now 12 points from four games. I mean, we mentioned Everton potentially could get top four. What, what about Aston Villa? Stuff top four, mate. They can go for the title for me. They could easily do it. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was looking on, I was looking on Twitter and a guy I follow put a tenner on Villa to win the league this season. I think they're like 80 to 1 at the moment. I think. Well, it's, it's an interesting, interesting one because I know, Dawes, you, you you actually owe me 20 quid yeah. for a certain <laughs> bet, bet we had earlier in the year. I was um, wondering what, what, the, what are the odds for Villa win the league at the moment? I mean, I'm sure they've, they probably would have gone down. I'll get it up now, mate. But in all, I think without, without a doubt, this year will be, for me, like, like the lesser year. Something crazy is going to happen. Whether it be someone ridiculous gets top four, or even more, I think someone could easily win the league that you wouldn't expect. Obviously, Everton are doing well at the moment, but I mean, you're looking at the odds here. You got Aston Villa at sixty-six to one to win the league. Oh, and I think. So what do you reckon? What, what do you reckon, Doors? Putting a tenner on that of the twenty quid you owe me, and another tenner on uh, Everton to win it. Sounds good to me, mate. <laughs> and we'll we'll split the profits. Yeah, that sounds good, mate. I, that's class, actually. Hundred percent for that. Oh, what are the Everton odds? I reckon they're a bit. Uh, bit Ever- Everton, Everton are twenty-five to one. That's twenty-five to one. What yeah. was that at the start of the season? Oh, I wonder. I know. I mean, the City are obviously the favourites. Obviously, after the Van Dyke news that Liverpool have gone crazy. Spurs are now third favourites after the weekend results. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But yeah, City are odds on favourite. But yeah, I'm definitely keen for doing that, mate. I think that's that, looks, that sounds like a good idea. Because I, I genuinely yeah, believe yeah. it could be a crazy year. And I'd, I'd love to see a team like Everton or Aston Villa win the league. I really would. It'd be amazing. Yeah, they've both recruited phenomenally yeah. like in the summer. They've, they've both gone out there and they've addressed their issues. You know, 
Villa, they needed a keeper, they needed a striker. They go and buy Watkins and they buy Martinez off us. Yeah. Like those and then Not... and they've kept Grealish, which is a huge achievement for them. Like because he's so important. And then Rodriguez nice. for Everton, what a signing. And Alan. Alan for me has been um almost yes. the yeah, signing yeah. of the season. He's so good in that midfield area. Gives brings great balance and lets players like Hammers and Richarlison shine really you know gives them that that platform to sort of start their attack and obviously they've got Calvert-Loon in the form of his life I wanted to look uh, quickly further down the league obviously United not looking too good in in 15 but they've got six points uh Bryson 16th with four and then looking downwards from there you've got West Brom on two and then Burnley Sheffield United Fulham on one do you think that you know that's the relegation battle pretty much settled the sort of the bottom five there are they going to be the ones fighting it out come the end of the season yeah I think so I mean I think Fulham are gone already West Brom don't look you know I mean and Burnley they've had no investment in the squad at all so and and Sheffield and I have been very disappointed this year obviously had a great season last season but I don't know what it is whether it's the second season nerves or something but yeah I think that that's the relegation battle for me I mean, for me, Palace as well. Palace have been woeful. How they've got all the points that they've got, I'll never know. I, th- I think Newcastle and Palace could. Su- <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Newcastle and Palace could surprise could be surprise contenders. I say surprise. I think New- I think they they've been very lucky that, uh, so far this season to have the points that they do. I think when uh, push comes to shove and you know, a few players get injured and suspended or whatever, I think they're really going to struggle. Interesting forecast from from Muscle there. Um, well, the other we did mention it earlier. The other big news was, of course, the the pay per view uh, announcement that uh, obviously in uh, September, uh, Sky Sports and BT were given the games for free, if you like, that weren't due to be shown. Obviously, with no fans in the stadiums, but now those matches, I think it's five per week, will be available for uh, on pay per view only at fourteen ninety five a game. Is it? Yeah. So uh, a bit, a bit of a steep price, I think mo- most people thought. Um, but I, I don't know what, what, what other methods could you do to deliver those games? Obviously, they don't want to just give them away for free. We chatted a bit before about perhaps season ticket holders getting free access, but I think what, what would you, what would you guys think would be a, a reasonable price point? Ten pounds a game would that be more acceptable? I think fiver for some games, even you know, like it, it's football supposed to not be for just the rich you know most fans will probably struggle to pay for their sky sports and bt subscriptions you know and then 15 pounds on top of that especially in a time where you can't even split that that 15 pounds you can't have you know like four mates around your house and then it's only three quid ahead but at the moment you know each fan is expected to pay 15 pounds to watch the game it's just a joke really and newcastle rightfully boycotted it (laughs) and raised an absolute fortune yeah. for charity. It's a good point, Rod, because you think if you went to the pub to watch the game, obviously you can't really do that at the minute, um, but you could easily then just spend £15 on a few pints with your mates and watch the game there. I'd much rather do that than sit on my own inside and spend 15 quid to watch West Brom Burnley. <laughs> heard, um, speaking of that, I heard, I, I heard on Twitter, I heard it, it might not be true, 
but there's a rumour that it only had 72 people that actually paid the money, which is why <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't released the figures because it's so appalling. As soon as, as soon as they said they won't release the figures, that's when you know it's done so badly. It was just the Sky employees that paid for it. <laughs> I, I think there could be a shake-up in November. So I think this is just for October, isn't it? There could be a potential shake-up to it if um, it obviously wasn't successful. Because I think if they had a much better pricing model, you could see a lot more people purchase these uh, these packages. I suppose part of the problem, I think, is the fact that it was almost a gesture of goodwill that so many of the games in the previous month were free. And I suppose the fact that all of those games were free followed by this happening, I think it's made this look worse in a way. Yeah, I know what you mean. If this had just been it from the start, then it wouldn't have been as much of an outcry. Yeah. One interesting thing I did see uh, an article on was uh, that cinemas are starting to show mm. some of the matches as well at a lower price point. You know, you could pay £5 and go watch the match in a cinema. And I feel like that's a much better way of doing it. You know, you've got that kind of pub idea where sort of, you know, the house is paying for the subscription and, you know, everyone else is going there with with a popcorn and enjoying it. Obviously not a, a glass of beer and not quite the same atmosphere, but I guess that's a, you know, a lower price point way of, of getting access to those matches. Yeah. It just seems bonkers having everyone filled up in the cinema yeah, during COVID. It's a bit... <laughs> but can't, oh, why can't we go to the op- open seats in the stands? It seems absolutely crazy. Yeah. It's, it's sparked up debate. But I, I know the article, like, um, obviously, that happened in Birkenhead, actually, where I was born for the uh, the Merseyside derby. And I mean, it's a good match day experience, by the sounds of it. Both Everton fans and Liverpool fans. And it created a bit of atmosphere inside the cinema, which I suppose <laughs> must have been quite something to see. But it's, it's funny uh, you should mention that you bought Ben. Born in Birkenhead, Hyron. I mean, go. I would have thought you'd be a Liverpool Everton fan, being what <laughs> stones throw from the cup. Uh, well, tra- Tranmere fan second, but I has to have to follow from my dad. I'm afraid, being with uh, Man City, obviously. Some say yeah, that the the first sun that ever touched Scott Hyron was reflected off the top of the cop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was five minutes, isn't it, Hyron? Were you born five minutes from the cop end? Was it? I think I think I, I can't remember. It's it's by I think it's like ten, maybe fifteen minutes away. I think it, it by yeah, the stones throw. Reason. I heard, mate. Stones throw. Throw <laughs> <laughs> like Rory Delap, maybe. Rory Delap. Oh no! Just because it's the same place for you. <laughs> I think on that note, where we'll uh, wrap up the today's podcast unless you boys got anything else you wanted to bring up i just want to i mean i think we didn't this Sorry, is the van dyke the van dyke injury i think is the big thing mate. ah yeah Pickford. i think yeah just for me it sums up why liverpool fans are so deluded and so frustrating you know that they, they get they're signing petitions to get david coot i think from var banned and sacked they're saying that Pickford should be in prison for the same amount of time Van Dyke's injured. <laughs> They're saying all this nonsense. I mean, Danny Murphy said Van Dyke's the best centre back he's ever seen in his life. I mean, no, dear. it's just drivel. Obviously, you know, <laughs> massive injury and a or hope hope for the best for Van Dyke, obviously, in his recovery. But the way Liverpool fans are talking about it is it's just embarrassing for me. Um, Pickford should have been sent off. I mean, let's not let's not kid ourselves here, but. All this nonsense about it should be banned for the same amount of time and put in prison. I mean, come on. 
I suppose I the silver that, lining think... is that Liverpool aren't likely to win the league this year, and who knows, perhaps they could go for another thirty years of hurt. <laughs> Fingers crossed, mate. <laughs> I mean, we all said it. I think they're in trouble because uh, I think Matip's injured at the moment as well, and we know Joe Gomez is a bit injury prone. So they're they're going to be they're going to be down to the youngsters and maybe Fabinho playing at centre back, and that really well, damages um, their midfield. Joe Gomez is awful as well. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a shambles without Van Dijk to hold his hand. I mean, we've been, saying, we've been saying it for years, boys. We've seen it for years. Liverpool. I mean, I think Van Dijk started the last ninety-two Premier League games he'd played in. It's just unbelievable. We all said that. Big injuries could cost them dear, and Van Dijk being out for the season is such a big blow. I mean, for me, that takes them out of the title race immediately. Um, I don't think they'll be good enough. And suddenly, you're thinking one more injury to a Mane or a Salah, and they're down to the bare bones. Yeah, they've really struggled with Allison, clearly against Aston Villa. But I think it certainly puts City as clear favourites, given we've sorted out not all of our problems, but. Getting Ruben Diaz in and having the port back. No as well. Diaz. Oh no, no, Diaz. no, 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 that's awful well thanks very much for listening to this week's episode of our podcast we'll hopefully be back again next week or certainly soon after that this has been they think it's all over and it is now